Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hi, it's Adam Gold. Fan Ask Away podcast time. And there are burning questions seared into your mind, you the Hurricanes fan. Among them, can Sebastian Ajo actually be a center? We'll get into that and more as Alec Campbell and I take a look at the things that have crossed your mind as we head into the hurricane season. Adam Gold, Alec Campbell, I cover the team. He does Stormwatch aftermaths, intermissions, and uh, you don't know this, but he sweeps up after everything is over at PNC Arena. Help me out a little, fans. <laughs> Clean up after yourselves. Please. Goodness. No more peanuts on the floor. Golly. All right, let's let's uh, let's get to some burning questions about this team as we head into the season, and we're still a couple of days away from the opener against the New York Islanders. And I want to start with, um, the I think, one of the questions that Rod Brindamore's had to deal with. Uh, Off-season, I've asked him about 30 times about Sebastian Ajo as a center. The way I look at it, he has to be a center for this team to get the most out of this roster. But... If he can't be a dynamic player, I just don't know if that's going to work. Do you think he's a center? Well, I think the real answer to that right now is that that's yet to be seen. But I do think that at some point you have to get out there and play the position for us to find out whether or not you are. And I'm not sure that you can figure that out in just one season of play either. So we've only seen him in the preseason so far. He hasn't been a dynamic center for them so far. But I'm not sure that it's and I get it because you want to do you want to put him in the best positions mm-hmm. to be successful, not just for himself, but also for the team. You don't want to try to shove that square peg into the round hole, so to speak. But I, I wonder if down the road they still view him as a center, you know, maybe in a year or two. And if that's the case, then you know, at some point you gotta figure it out. So, so might as well go ahead and do that now, even if it takes you a few weeks into the regular season, because at least at this point, like you've said, there is no, there is, there isn't great center depth. And if he's not, then they're going to have to make some decisions because that means other people get bumped kind of up the roster. Lucas Walmark, for example, Mm -hmm. is, would make a great fourth line center for this team. But if Sebastian Ajo can't play center, then then we end up seeing him in a top nine role. Yeah. Which I'm not completely, you know, I'm not I'm not completely angry at or upset about, but you know, it only heightens the center depth that are already there for this team. So, you know, I, I, I I'm not sure yet is the answer about whether or not he is or isn't or I think he can. I, I would like to think that he can because of the talent that he has. Mm-hmm. And I just think that it's gonna take some time for him to figure it out. That's all. Here, the, the the thing is um, you know, you think about this organization, this team as a potential playoff team, and I like Lucas Walmart too. I really do. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if I like him as a top, uh, you know, the top three center uh, in in the NHL in terms of you know comparing him against other teams. 
Uh, but here's what I do know. If you're not good, really good down the middle, it becomes a lot harder. And I realize I'm going to pick a team out here that is probably going to get to 100 points. And I don't think there's any doubt about it. But Toronto's going down the middle with Austin yeah. Matthews, John Tavares, <laughs> and Nazim Kadri. Right. Kadri could be a top, he would be a number one center on this team right now. And Toronto, by the way, favorites for the to win yeah, the Stanley Cup right I, now. Look, they they're legit. I, they have other issues that they have to overcome. But that is the the gap between two guys learning the position mm-hmm. in Aho and Natchez and Jordan Stahl and what Toronto puts on the ice is glaring, and that's assuming Aho can play center. Um I think the complicating factor with Sebastian, real quick, we saw him play a good chunk of the last 10 games at center last year. It was a mixed bag. There were nights that were better than others, and that's all understandable. Uh, it might have been better to just, you know, let him rip the, rip the Band-Aid off with Martin Natchez last year and let him play the entire year and just take your lumps. And, right. Because where would Natchez be now right. and if he had played all last year at center? I was going to bring that up, too, just, just as one last point, is like what do we expect from this team this year? You know, if if it's if it's really that we don't really expect them to make the playoffs, and if we're going to go ahead and ride with guys like Andrei Sveshnikov and Martin Natchez, and it's going to be sort of a feeling out process for a lot of guys this year, then what are we really talking about? We might as well just allow Sebastian Ajo to go and figure it out if that's we, what we want to make him to be, and if he's cool with that, right? Like, because that's the other thing well, too. He wants like, to play center. There's if, no if, question. If he, he does. wants to play center and he's cool with that then I'm cool with that. Uh, but if you get to a situation where Sebastian's just saying, like, you know, look, man, like, I just feel so much more comfortable on the wing. I'm better that way. It's better for my brand and my future, <laughs> you know, because let's be honest, like, you know, you can you can find yourself in situations in professional sports where you you move around and you don't do very well, and that affects your your future earnings, your your future role in the league. So, you know, number one's got to look out for number one sometimes too. (laughs) And so I think part of it has to be a decision about what you think you are as a team and what the expectations are, as you, as you referred to with Martin Natchez last year. You, you, you brought up the expectations. I think the expectations are that this team will compete for a playoff spot. I really do. Um, And it, obviously it all depends on the goaltending. If uh, Scott Darling and Peter Morazic are a credible goaltending tandem, I think this team has a chance. I think the defense is good enough uh, offensively and defensively. The the blue line is good enough to put them in position and take some pressure off where maybe it creates a little bit more of wiggle wiggle room so Ahu doesn't have to be dynamic offensively uh, until he becomes comfortable at the position. So if if the expectation is that they'll just compete for a playoff spot, play a fun brand of hockey – then I think you live with Sebastian's growing pains in the middle. Uh, Natchez, as a 19-year-old, still learning how to be an NHL player. And with whatever um, you know setbacks you get with Andrei Svechnikov on the wing and him learning how to be a professional, not just an NHL professional, but a, a guy who goes from Barry in, the jun- in you know, major junior hockey to the NHL. I think you live with that. Uh, and just understand that this is a learning process that may take a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think that I still think they're good enough to be a playoff team. It's uh, based on the goaltender. Yeah, I think if things fall 
correctly, guys stay healthy, all those things. I think they got a chance to make the playoffs. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, would I necessarily go throwing money around on it? Probably not. Um, <laughs> Might get good odds. And you, you, Well, that's true. And you bring up the defense. You know, I'm starting to wonder if this defense is simply going to be a better offensive defensive core and not as much of a defensive defensive core. I think that's the way that they've been kind of ballyhooed in the preseason. It's like, oh, look at all these veterans. You know, they're going to be uh, really great in front of the goaltenders. And so far, they have limited teams in the preseason to limited numbers of shots, and that's good. But I think maybe the bigger thing for me is getting Justin Falk back into a more offensive mm-hmm. role, especially on the power play. Dougie Hamilton becoming uh, uh, being that offensive force and the puck mover yeah. uh, on that top uh, defensive pairing. Um, you know, I know there are guys out there that aren't necessarily offensive guys, like a you know a, a, a Calvin DeHaan's not an offensive guy. Um, you know, I'm not sure Tre- Hayden Flurry. We're still waiting to see. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. You know, not necessarily that either. Although that was a beautiful goal he scored the other night in Nashville. In absolutely. Nashville. Um, but I wonder if maybe the 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 defensive side of that defensive core isn't as good as we thought it is, and we might actually see an uptick in the offensive side. Jacob Slavin certainly can be a great defenseman and a, and a defender, but he's also pretty good on offense, too. Uh, look, he's, he's, he's been quarterbacking the second power play unit. Um, I actually think the, the, the Pesci that we saw in Nashville, who there was a lot of responsibility heaped on him, playing against mostly the uh, Predators' NHL forwards, right? But that Pesci looked like, hey, this is the guy who got a five-year, multi-million-dollar, uh, you know, annual contract. Slavin, in this preseason, to me, has been outstanding, and he's shown you because I thought last year was just an average Jacob Slavin. I was not. Mm-hmm. He, I thought he had a really slow start early and picked his play up later. Uh, but Slavin never really got deep into plus territory. A couple of years ago, as Carolina was giving up goal after goal after goal, uh, Slavin and Pesci were way plus as a defensive pairing and played heavy minutes. So, But I think we're going to see that Jacob Slavin again, plus he's going to add more offensive punch to his game. So I actually think their defense has a chance to get better. Um, Calvin DeHaan is very steady. Mm-hmm. And if as long as Trevor Van Riemsdyk can play the left side, then they will be very solid in their last pairing, regardless of who it is. I could see Pesci playing up. I I would not be shocked if 30 games into the season, Slavin and Pesci are back together again. They play great together, and if Slavin yet adds offense, then that is the shutdown pair that every team wants. It's not There's nothing against Dougie Hamilton. He's going to get 21 minutes a night um, and, and all the power play time he can get. Good. Uh, right. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Pesci in that ultimately playing it back on a top pair because those two guys play so well together. So I have one more question for you. And you may have a question. Um, if uh, And Ajo's got a contract coming up. there, And there, I know that Tom Dundon has been trying to get a, uh, and I think the, he had talked about an eight-year contract for Sebastian Ajo. What kind of an impact does it have if he can't play center? Well, I mean, then they've got to go figure that out. <laughs> no, I'm talking about in terms of the contract you offer him. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. If he can't play center, they got to find another center. Right. Um, although, 
and what when, and what when is Rask that? comes back and you know maybe he's uh, maybe he reverts to the Victor Rask of old. Uh, but what is what does Sebastian Ajo get? Does it like in my opinion? I'm not sure it impacts what you pay him at all, R- whether he plays center or left wing, because there are guys whether it's Taylor Hall or David Pasternak or Nikita Kucherov. William Nylander's not going to be a center for uh, Toronto. He's going to get nine million a year. Oh, maybe not from Toronto because uh, I don't think they can afford to pay another guy nine million. Uh, but those guys get paid. So. I mean, if Ajo can be, if he can't be center, but he can be a 75-point-a-guy, year guy at left wing, I think you pay him. Yeah, I I think that you pay for, I guess my my short answer would be you pay for a dude who scores points for you. And if he if he is a winger and turns out to be an elite winger and scores you a ton of goals, then I'm cool paying him basically whatever he wants to get paid (laughs) you know what i'm saying like so but but i think that i think that he i think it's more valuable i guess if he is center and he turns out if he is a center and he turns out to still be an elite goal scorer and you can get you know the best of both worlds out of him in which case you know he's gonna make tons of money but i i don't know like i still I, i still think i'm trying to figure out what i think he is best at and where I think he fit, he fits best with the team, and I'm not sure we we know that. I know that they're they're trying to to lock that in, and it would be in their best interest to do that because, you know, if he breaks out, then all of a sudden, <laughs> like things are going to get a whole lot more expensive than they want it to be. Yeah, you know, it's fu- it's funny from a player's perspective. You almost think that Aho uh, would be better served to take a lesser contract initially, a shorter contract, not a lesser, but a shorter contract. Uh, and then go through the process again. But to it's weird. I think hockey players that I know, they're very different. Mm-hmm. They're they're willing. Like if you paid Aho, maybe Aho get, would get a lot more money up front than he would have if he takes a shorter deal, a bridge contract that that they uh, that they call it. But ultimately, he's going to make about seven million dollars a year for the next eight years, something like that. That's probably the 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 neighborhood we're looking at, and I think if he can be a seventy to eighty point a year guy, seven million a year is probably getting off easy. Yeah, I I I feel like that if I was him, I mean, if I was an athlete in general, I would want the longevity. I understand where where you're coming from, but I feel like you pay him, and he either is or isn't a center. And then you know that's still cool, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so we know what like, he is. We know yeah. we know like what he I can know do as I a know he wing. can be right. a good a good left wing. So um, I want him to be here for a long time. Personally, do you so, have do you have a burning question I mean, in your mind? My only burning question really is the goaltending and how it plays out. Like a is it going to be good? And b how is it going to be good? <laughs> like is it good because Scott Darling returns to being a player that? We thought he w- could be, or hoped he could be, uh, by watch from his days in Chicago, or does it happen because Peter Morozik becomes a player that uh, establishes himself as a number one and puts Darling maybe back into a position that he's more comfortable in mm-hmm. as a as a backup goaltender, or is are they both pretty good and you end up playing two goaltenders? maybe equal amounts of time throughout the season. Is that something that's even in the cards, or is that something that's 
maybe like a, a kind of like quarterbacks. If you got two of them, you got none of them. Maybe that's a bad omen if they're both splitting time a bunch of times. There are very you know? there are very few teams uh, that I can think of that have two number one goalies, right? I, I know St. Louis last year, Carter Hutton. Yeah. Uh, was, ar- he wasn't the number one goalie, but he was probably better than Jake Allen. You could argue the Caps, you know, when Philip Grubauer oh, came yeah. on. And look, Grubauer started the first playoff game, and then they went back to Braden Holtby, and we Grubauer's gone now. So it's hard to say. I, I will say this. I don't believe that this will ultimately be a timeshare. That uh, who, regardless of who starts Thursday night against the Islanders, regardless, I do believe that one of them will establish himself as the as the guy and will play between 50 and 55 times. And I know we talked to John Forsland earlier in the um, in the preseason uh, and I did it for a podcast and he actually said uh he thought that that player would be Mrazic. He's already been a number 1, he's young enough where he wants to be that number 1 again and that he's that's where he is more comfortable. Darling has never established himself as a one. And it's a different animal being uh, the backup with where you're not carrying the responsibility as well as he played as a backup in Chicago and he won a playoff series. Mm-hmm. But without the responsibility on your shoulders of winning, it's different. Yeah. There seems to be a comfort level that Scott Darling has to get to with his surroundings to help him be successful. You know, in Chicago, that's where he's from. That's what he knows. He played for the team he grew up rooting for. He was around his friends and family all the time. And the transition here, not just the move personally, but also professionally, I think those had a lot to do with the struggles that Scott Darling had last year, mm-hmm. especially if you know anything about his kind of a, a, a struggled past right. that he's had. So I, I would like to believe that Scott, the maybe the biggest thing aside from the fitness regime and all that stuff in the off season that him settling down a little bit more, you know, in any profession, it seems like it really takes you about a year to get comfortable doing your job, yeah, interacting with the people around you in the, in the office or wherever. And I think that's the case too, for in professional sports, you know, he, he's got his girl down here. Now he's got his new house that he bought. He's got his dog. You know, that's like, right. There, He's like, got his great there, day. There, there is something to be said for having sort of a settled feeling outside of the game, and couple that with 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 the the physical um, transition transformation yeah. in the off season. I, I got I I'm optimistic about Scott Darling. You know, a lot of it, it, last year was so left such a terrible taste. And I think most people's minds, mm-hmm. including myself, myself, and I've mentioned this before, that I feel much more optimistic about this season than I than I thought I would, given the way last season went. And that includes Scott Darling. For whatever reason, he's not going to be as bad as he is. He can only go. He can only go up. Right. No. They, I mean, he was the that's worst. It. He, was, he was the worst goalie in the league last year. Right. But yeah. for qualifying goaltenders, he was the worst goaltender in the league. Yep. There literally is no place to go except up. And so I, I have I have a feeling that he's. If he's if he doesn't if if Marazic outplays him and becomes that number one goaltender at the very least Scott Darling's a very good backup goaltender for this team and I think that's probably a good space to be in. Yeah, honestly, I'm not saying that would be the best case scenario because I'm not because I think the best case scenario is uh, one of them just establishes himself regardless of what happens behind it. But if Marazic happens to be that guy and Darling is still playing well, 
I mean, I think he's in a comfortable role for himself. So I think that would be fine. Uh, all right, those those are uh, burning questions. we got other stuff to do. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about you, the fan, and how you, uh, you guys experience Carolina Hurricanes hockey, and then we'll get uh, deep into the roster later in the week. Adam Gold, Alec Campbell, we will see you at the rink. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.